Hello. Welcome, everybody. My name is Henry Falcone from Flame of Fire Ministries. It's a blessing to be with you on this uh, podcast. This podcast is called Kingdom Moments uh, with Henry Falcone. And what they are is a, what the Lord asked me to do is take a theme, one particular theme, and share with you about the kingdom of God and its relationship to your life. Now, in the last few uh, broadcasts, I've been sharing about intimacy with God, about knowing God, and about spending time with Him, and how to get to really know Him. But I want to start tonight with a question to each and every one of you, especially your millennial, your young people, your teenagers. Let me ask you a question. Do you know why God made you? Do you know what the purpose and plan is that He has for your life? And if you don't, I want to ask you a question, why not? A lot of people don't believe there is a God and that there's just some chance of their mother and father coming together and their father being a seed donor, their mother being the egg, and they're here. And they have no rhyme and reason for their life. They can basically live and do whatever they want, become whatever they want, and then eventually die and become part of Mother Earth. And that really diminishes the value of a human life greatly. If the only reason why we're here is just to exist for this 50, 60, 70, sometimes shorter, longer amount of years, and then just fade away, it's a pretty yucky existence. Why even be here? If that's if we just are born and we just die and that's it. And the only way you would believe that is by not believing that there is a God or the God, creator God that made you. See, believing that there's a creator, a creating God, and understanding who he is and why he made you makes life a value. Now, scientists and people like Hume and philosophers like Hume and Descartes and others want to prove the there's no existence of God, that man made God. But quite the opposite is, is true. God made man. Man did not make God. You know, have you ever looked at a painting? Okay, did the painting just come into existence by itself? Or does the painting need a painter? Without a painter, there's no painting. Right? And if you think about it, you look at the mountains. Did the mountains make themselves? Without somebody forming the mountains, there can be no mountains. When you look up in the sky and you look at all the stars that are up in the sky, the moons, the planets, and how this planet's in the middle of air, basically, it just happens to be the perfect distance away from the sun, swirling around at the right angle continually so that life can grow on here. And somehow that exists by itself. Somehow it just randomly came into existence, the Big Bang Theory, or out of nothing you can make something. St. Thomas Aquinas was probably the the what one of the philosophers who spoke about God as being the first cause. If every effect has to have a cause, there has to be a first cause. Someone who started it, something that started it, because nothing can't make something. I ask you right now, all of you that don't believe in God, to take take some nothing and make something from it. Can you take here? Here's a handful of nothing. I have nothing in my hands. Make something. I can't. Nothing can't become something. If something's going to come to existence and be made, there has to be a maker. And that maker is God. 
And that is so critical, young people, to understand that God made you, that you're not an accident. You're, you're not just something, you're not just a, a random act of your mother and father. In the book of Jeremiah, he said, before you were in, mother, in your mother's womb, I formed you and I called you to be a prophet to the nation. I don't believe the Bible. Well, I'm not here to prove the Bible. In fact, I can never prove to, prove to an unbeliever that the Bible's real. But what I can tell you is give your life to Jesus, accept Jesus in your heart, become born again, and really ask God to forgive you of your sins and to enter your heart and say, I want to know you. Then this Bible's real. I was raised a Catholic, and I very rarely ever read the Bible. We, weren't, we were taught that we weren't smart enough to read the Bible. You know, and anyways, the Bible, I was told the Old Testament was just stories. The New Testament was, was the only real part. So I came to a conclusion, if the Old Testament's not real, then why would the New Testament be real? I did believe in God, and I believe Jesus came historically, and I believe that he did die for my sins. But I knew about God, but I didn't know him. I didn't know the reason why I was made. I didn't know the reason I was created. Now I'm going to share a quick story with you today about, you know, um, about my birth. Um, my mom had my, my, my oldest sister first, Barbara, and she's a beautiful woman of God and I love her dearly. And she is, um, she was first. And then a few years later, they had my brother. His name was Michael, Michael Henry. And Michael Henry was born perfect. And he died in the hospital three days, perfectly healthy. Now, I don't think they knew about SIDS back there, but I believe he died from SIDS. And it devastated my mom. And she was in the hospital and she had a dream. And what came to her in the dream, God spoke to her in a dream and showed her the foundation of the world and said, you're going to have another son. He's going to serve me all the days of my life. And she said, Lord, if you give me another son, he's yours. And about a year later to the day that my brother was born, I was born. And I was given to the Lord. My sister, too, Okay, because my mom didn't get pregnant for quite a few years, prayed that she would have a child. And, you know, that if God gave her a child, that she would serve the Lord too. But, you know, I was a, I'm a rainbow baby. And I'm an answer to her prayer because of the loss of my brother. Now, from the time I was little, okay, I somehow knew there was a God. Now, I grew up in a very abusive home. My father was a very uh, mean alcoholic, and he really physically abused my mom, black and blue marks, the whole nine yards. And when he was sober, he was the nicest guy in the world. But when he was drunk, not, not the nicest fellow. And um, matter of fact, I loved and hated him. I remember when I became a Cub Scout, I bought a little Cub Scout knife, and I said, when I'm 13 years old, I'm going to kill him. I don't know why 13, but that's what I figured, because, you know, the way he, you know, treated my mom was horrible. I remember one time, and this is a story I want to share with you. Um, I was about three, maybe three and a half, four years old, and my, my parents were at it. My mom would hit him, she'd hit, he'd hit her back, and you know he'd hit her, she, she'd hit him back, and they would fight. And I would have like asthma attacks, and it was horrible. And I remember crying and crying and crying and crying. You know, I was only three and a half years old to see that. It was pretty horrendous. And, um, and I started singing this song, Nobody Loves Me. I mean, I'm three and a half years old. I'm saying nobody loves me. You ever feel like that? I bet you there's a lot of you out there that are listening to this broadcast or watching it that have felt at times that there's absolutely nobody that loves you. Now, that wasn't really true because my parents did love me. They just had a 
you know, my father was never abusive to me, you know, ever, you know, or, you know, to my sister a little bit, but to my mom a lot. And because um, we always wanted her to leave him, of course, to get us out of that, that misery. But I remember one day it was so bad. I was singing that song and I looked out the window. There was a thunderstorm and I saw the face of Jesus. He looked right at me, stood right at my window and he looked at me. He smiled at me. And the peace of God came all over me and I stopped crying. From that day, I knew God was real. I didn't know him, but I grew, grew up. I wanted to be a priest, you know, and I would, I would actually take, take my bathrobe and put it on me like the priest. And I knew all the, I knew the whole mass in Latin at six, seven years old. I would, I made wafers and I gave everybody communion and I, I knew I was going to be a priest. But then when I got a little bit older and I got into, um, you know, to junior high school, I went to Catholic school. I heard about the Pope. And you see, the Pope had the neatest job in the whole world because he went into this room and when he needed it, when the church needed to hear something from God, he would go in this room and he would listen and God would speak to him. And whenever he came out of that room, whatever God told him, that was the law. That was what was going to happen. I said, how neat is that? I don't want to be a priest. I want to be the Pope. And you know why I want to be the Pope? Because I wanted to hear God. Now, why did I want to hear God? I don't know. But somewhere inside of me, I knew that if I could hear God, he might tell me why he made me, why I'm here, what my existence is. And today's thought is Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. And it is my, as you can see, my journey mug, I got my tea in it today. It's Jeremiah 11. It's got the scripture on there. I drink a little bit of my tea, my Earl Grey hot. Anybody who watches Star Grey, Star Trek knows what that means. Real gray hot. <laughs> but anyways, um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for your well-being and for peace and not evil. And to give you hope and your, fi your final outcome. Then you will call upon me, verse 12, and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear and heed you. Then, verse 13, you will seek me, inquire and require me as your vital need, and find me when you search with me, search for me with all your heart. In those three scriptures, we have the key to the kingdom of God. First, point one, God says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. That means you're not an accident. I don't care if you're 84, 44, 24, 14, or 4. You are perfectly and wonderfully made, and God has thoughts and plans for you. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in, in, in the book of Psalms that before you were born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God wrote your existence in his books, your life, every day of it, every thought of it, every plan. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God directs your, your steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Every one of these scriptures applies a God who's interested in you. And our purpose of why we were made was, is to know him. Jesus said in John chapter um, 15 verse 2 he says this is eternal verse 3 for this is eternal life 
that you might know him, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent, that you might know him, the one true God in Jesus Christ that he sent. This is eternal life. Life eternal is knowing God. And if you want to know why you are made, you are made to know him, to really know him. Like a bride knows her bridegroom, like a father knows his son, to become intimate with him, to know him, to seek him, to worship him. You are made to know his heart, his desires, his plans, and he made you to talk with you, to fellowship with you, communion with you, like he did when he created Adam and Eve. He put them in that garden and he came in the cool of the day and he talked with them and he fellowshiped with them. It was God's intention to fellowship with you, that you might know him, love him, want him, and desire him of your own free will. He made us out of dust, Adam, formed it. Why did he pick dust? Because dust can't make itself into anything. So to form a man out of something that can't be formed takes an act of God. And so God took dust and he formed us. And he formed Adam and he breathed life into him. And, and it says Adam became a living being. And I think I said this last time, but the next thing God does is he takes all the animals by, by male and female and he brings them before him and he has them name them. And after a while, Adam begins to see, okay, that 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 there that every species has a male and a female, but there's no one for Adam. And God says it is not good for man to be alone. Why did God even show me he's alone? Because in it we begin to see that God, who was before anything was, who created everything that was before anything there was, was alone. They were the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit manifesting as three persons. But God created creation. God created man to fellowship with him. And that's why we were made. And not only were we made to fellowship with the Lord, God says, I have a design for your life. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. They are for your well-being. So whatever it is where you've heard the lies of the devil and the enemy and says, why is God allowing all this suffering? And why is God allowing, if God was so loving, why is all this bad in the world? The answer to that question is God didn't make it bad. We chose to make it bad. Adam and Eve, they chose to rebel against God, to become their own God. And because they disobeyed the Lord, you know, they sin entered the world. And all the wickedness that you see and all the evil and all the things that we blame God from, from the hurricanes to everything, it's not because of God, but because of us. This is what man has produced. The sin that you see, the wicked and the evil that's around you is what man's produced under the control of Satan. Satan rebelled against God and he planned to get man to overthrow God and to, to, to rebel against God like he did. So that he would be, that mankind would be damned with him and be put in hell. But that's why God sent his son, Jesus, to become the second Adam. When Adam failed to do the first time, Jesus did perfectly. He did it without sin. He became the perfect lamb of God to pay for your sins and my sins, the penalty. We deserve to, to, to be punished. We deserve because we sinned against God. We broke his laws. We broke his commandments. We deserve judgment. But yet God gives us mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the savior of the world, no doubt about it. But he didn't save us and die on that cross just so that we could go on and live our lives 
just like we like we didn't know him. He saved us so that we might know him. Our spirit gets born again. Now we're able to see God, perceive God. Maybe not with your natural eyes, but you, you know that God exists. The very first thing that I knew when I gave my life to Jesus for the first time in my life, I knew I was loved. When I said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Save me. I give you control of my life. Here I am. I don't know what happened that day, but I felt differently. I was alone. I went out into the car. And the pastor gave me some advice and stuff of what I needed to do. And I said, talk to God like he's your best friend. So I did. I said, Lord, I said, if you, I feel so different. Something happened to me. But if this is real, here's where I need your help. And I started talking to him. And I listed 22 things that I needed. And in two weeks, God answered every one of those prayers. And they weren't little prayers. They were big prayers. And I knew God was real. I knew he heard me because I was seeking him. I wanted to know him. And you remember my mom's prayer? Lord, if you give me another son, he's yours. Well, when I turned 13, I didn't want to be a pope anymore. I wanted to get married and priests can't get married. So that was the end of the priesthood. I stopped going to church and then I lived my life, planning my life the way I wanted to. I didn't even go on Christmas and Easter. I wasn't even a retired Catholic. I was a dead Catholic. I didn't even go anymore. I became very successful businessman very prosperous. My wife was working. We had great jobs. We had a house, kids, you name it. But we were miserable, fighting at each other's neck. You know, we're at each other's neck, fighting all the time, you know, and I was a lousy husband and we were pretty getting close to getting divorced. And I got very depressed. I didn't want a divorce. I just figured I'd end my life. So I thought about suicide all the time. And then finally, I came to a point where I was going to do it. I had it planned. And, you know, the day I went to go do it, I, I tried and failed miserably. And um, and um, I think I shared with you last time that uh, a woman I worked with, she led me to the Lord, brought me to church that Sunday, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I've never been the same since. You know why? Because God says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. He had these thoughts and plans for me before I was formed. My mother prayed, if you give me another son, he's yours. And God gave her a dream and told her I was going to come into the world and that I would be his. So what, what choice did I really have? I could have rebelled against it. And for 25 years, I did. Not 25, maybe from 13. For 12 years, I did. I didn't want any part of God. But that day, you know, when my wife wasn't enough to live for, my two kids weren't enough to live for, my mother and father weren't enough to live for, I couldn't see any reason to live. And I wanted to die and take my life. But somehow... I didn't. God protected me. And when I gave my life to Jesus for the first time in my life, I knew God was real. And you know the amazing thing? I knew I was loved. I did not need Donna to be my God anymore. See, I was looking to her to be my everything. And because she's not perfect, she hurt me, disappointed me, and I hurt and disappointed her. But I realized she could never love me the way I wanted to be loved. Only God could. And so now I could love her and she can have all her mistakes and faults. And I, she can't complete me that way. Only God can. You know why? Because he knows the thoughts and plans that he has for me. And in those thoughts, he gave me my beautiful wife, Donna, for 41 years we've been married coming up this year. We have four beautiful children, 12 grandchildren. We both serve the Lord. Our kids love the Lord. And some are walking closer than others, but they still love the Lord and walking towards them. My grandkids, 
But even with all that being said, beloved, God says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for your life. What are they? How do you find them? How do you get to know what the Lord has? When I gave my life to Jesus, that was the first part. But then I started to seek him and I would spend time with him and I would just be still and I would talk to him like he was my best friend. I would just share everything with him. I mean, and then I started writing it down like in journaling and stuff and I would just talk to him. And then he started to talk back. I began to hear him, but at first it sounded like my voice. But it was with a wisdom and thoughts I would never think. And so when I shared with my pastor, he says, yeah, that's God speaking to you. And because he's speaking to you in your language that you can understand, but with wisdom beyond yourself, wisdom that you would never think. So I began to write those things that I was hearing from the Lord down, which I encourage you to do, you know, as you wait in the Lord. How can I begin to develop listening to the Lord and hearing the Lord? Well, here is a simple tool that I'm going to share with you today to begin to know the thoughts and the heart of God. I would like you to, when you're done, to go to John chapter 15, and I'd like you to read the first five, let's, let, let me tell you what verses, share with you what verses I would encourage you to, to read. But you want to go to John chapter 15, and I, I would encourage you to read um, verses 1 through um, 8. Okay? Take about 30 minutes, read it. And when you're done, and before you start, say, Lord, would you tell me what this means? Would you please explain this to me? And maybe you want to just focus on me. I would focus on verses four and five. Say, teach me what this means. And then be still. You want to put on some Christian music in the background? Wait. And say, Lord, I really want you to teach me. And then listen. And you're going to hear him speak to you on the inside. And he's going to say things about these scriptures to you. Write it down what you hear. Write it down of what you taught. And then if you want, you can do two things. If you are born again and you know the Lord, okay, and you have a pastor or you got somebody that you respect that hears and knows and listens to God, share what you have with them and ask them, do you think God was speaking to me here? If you don't, you can write to me, write it down, send it to me, and you can mail it to me at go, G-O, at flameoffire2007.org, and I'll write back to you. And, you know, and if I, you know, I'll ask the Lord if you were hearing the Lord correctly and encourage you with it. Okay, that's the best I can do for you. But doing that one simple thing, listening, reading the scriptures, and asking God to teach you, is one of the best ways to learn how to hear God's voice. It quiets your soul and your spirit. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you never accepted Jesus in your heart, you're probably not going to hear him. So all you have to do, and if you want to know God is real, say, I want to know your real God. Jesus, I heard you are the Savior of the world, that you died for my sins. I am surely a sinner. I want to be forgiven. I want a new start with my life. I ask you to forgive me and come into my heart. I want to know you're real. And I give you full control of my life. Here I am, Jesus. I'm yours. It's that simple. Replay that part. Pray that prayer from your heart. And then go to John chapter 15. And say, I want to know you're real, Lord. I want you to, I want to hear your voice. I want to know you. I want to know the thoughts and plans that you have for me. 
and say, please teach me what John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, or 1 through, if you want to read all eight, what it means. And then write down what you what you hear. Wait long enough until you begin to hear. You'll begin to hear your, your voice starting to talk to you, but it's not your voice. And he'll begin to explain these scriptures to you. Now, if God loves you that much to explain to you and teach you what the scriptures mean, how much more will he tell you what your life means, what his plans are, what his, what his purposes are? And remember, in Jeremiah chapter, in Jeremiah 29, 11, remember what it's in 12 and 13, it says, then you will call upon me and you, and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and I will heed you. That's a promise of the answered prayer. And then it says, then you will seek me, inquire me, as your vital need and find me when you search with search for me with all your heart. So you got to really want to know him. And if you really want to know him, then you're going to want to know why you were made and what his purpose is and what his plans are for your life. And that's what God wants to reveal to you, his purposes and plan. So I'm going to leave you today with that little exercise. And I'm going to leave you with a script, another scripture verse to show you why you have to seek God. And you're going to find that in Isaiah um, uh, 54, I'm just going to find out where it is. Okay. Yep. Uh, Isaiah 55. I'm sorry. I lost my place here. Well, anyways, the scripture I'm looking for is in Isaiah. And this is what it says. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Think about that for a minute. My ways are not your ways. He says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. Why would he say that? What does it mean your ways are above my ways and your thoughts above my ways? Well, we're natural men. When we're born again, we become spiritual men. But we live in this world and we have a human mind. And in our human mind, we can think a lot of things. And those things that we're thinking apart from God telling us and speaking to us and showing us, those are our thoughts. And most people live their life controlled by their thoughts. Whatever they think they do, whatever they think they want, they get. Whatever they think they're going to be, they're going to be. Wherever they, they should go, they can go. They're controlled by their own thoughts. But God says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. That means we have to become spiritual. To find the thoughts that God has for you, the plans, means that you must seek him with your whole heart till you find him, until you hear him, till he can reveal to you his thoughts and the plans that he has for you. They're up here. They're where he, where he is. And he wants you to come up in the spirit, which, which means seeking him and spending time with him and worshiping him and listening for his voice so that he can tell you what the thoughts and plans are for your life. And they are for your well-being and peace and not evil, that God would give you hope in your final outcome. I remember when I met Donna, you know, I was 16 and I think I shared with the story real quickly and I'll make it quick with you. But there was a there was a moment and I wasn't saved yet, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew she was the one for me. It was like God opened my eyes. I had a prophetic gift born born with it. It got really activated when I became born again because I knew what it was. But I just knew things. And I knew she was it. 
but she wouldn't go out with me for a long time. So I finally came to a place and I didn't know the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't go on like this. I can't just be best friends with her. Either she's the one for me, she's not. If she is not the one for me, please get her out of my life. If she is, let her go out with me. And so I kind of put that ultimatum to her that on July 27th, 1977, I said, listen, I said, I get it. If you don't want to go out with me, that's it. And I'm going to move on with my life, you know? And so after talking with her friends, they all said, you need to go out with him because this guy is madly in love with you. And look at how he cares about you. And she said, yes. You see, God knew he had thoughts and plans for me before I was even knowing him. He had my wife picked out for me. I was going to get pick her out or he was going to pick her out before I got saved, knowing I was going to get saved because I had to have the right woman with me by my side that could walk through ministry, the trials, the heartaches, the grief, the suffering that we've gone through for the last 35 years that most people don't even know the price for that, that it costs to follow the Lord and for the anointing of God. There is not another woman on this planet that could have walked with me through these last 35 years, but Donna. And see, he knew those thoughts and plans before I was made. He knew she was the one for me. She, he knew she was the one that we'd have these four children that we love dearly and their families. He knew that, you know, that, that when, when I was going to go on the mission field, I needed someone who could discern and see and understand me and see where I couldn't see and help me where I couldn't see. And, and then we are iron that sharpens iron. We are exact opposite in so many ways, but yet we're one. I need her strength and she needs mine. Where I'm weak, she's strong. Where she's weak, I'm strong. And, we, and the two shall become one and we complement. But before the foundation of the world, God knew me. God knew her. She, was gonna, she wanted to be a nun and go to the Congo and be a teacher. She loved God too. She wanted to serve God too. Who would ever thought God would bring us together? We lived in two different towns. We were only two miles apart, but we went to completely different schools. And the only way I would ever meet her was going to work at Friendly Ice Cream in Norwich Town. God knew she was there, the one he had for me. He was working in my life where I couldn't see. And beloved, he's working in yours. Whether you know the Lord or not, today, God has ordered your steps. He has a plan for you. The bad part was up until that time, I was fighting against that plan. Now I want that plan. And I hope tonight after hearing this broadcast, you won't fight against that plan anymore, but you'll want it. You'll want to know why you are made, what God's purpose is, what God's plan for you as teenager. You're not a piece of junk. Don't think about suicide. I've been down that road. Getting drunk, getting high, smoking pot. It's not going to help you. They're temporary things. Give your life to Jesus fully and you'll know why you are made and you'll have peace and you'll be filled with love. This is not a cliche. This is reality. I know. I should be dead, but I'm alive. Every day I'm on this planet, I live on borrowed time. I should be dead. But God loved me enough to save me and save my wife and save my family. I had the blessing of leading my parents to the Lord, Donna's parents to the Lord, many people. And God has a plan for your life too. Let's pray. If you don't know the Lord today, I shared with you how to receive him. Just simply say, Jesus saved me. I need you in my life. I want to know why I was made. I want to know what my purpose and plan is. And if you know the Lord and you're not really walking with him or you got a religious relationship with him and not a real relationship, say, I don't want to live like that anymore. Jesus, I want to know you. 
really save me, really come into my life, really open my eyes to see you, my ears to hear you, and my heart to understand you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you. Forgive me for rebelling against you, God, and come and Lord, forgive me, wash me in your blood and order my steps. I want to know why I was made. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your plans. And here I am. I give my life to you, Lord. Teach me how to find you. Teach me how to see you. Teach me how to know you. Teach me your ways, O oh God, that I may know you. It's that simple. Next broadcast, I'll go a little bit further about finding and knowing the Lord. Please do your homework. Spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes, quietly reading John chapter 15, those few scriptures. Write it down, what you think you're hearing. I don't care what it, how foolish it sounds, write down what you think you hear. And then bring it to your pastor, bring it to a Christian you know, or you can send it to me at go at flameofire2007.org. All right? Well, that's it for this broadcast. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for watching this Kingdom Moment with Henry Falcon. Today's theme was Jeremiah 2911. Love you guys. God bless. Bye-bye.